So, y'all ready to talk about some Star Trek? talk about a book here in a little while in a couple weeks cap lower decks again <laughs> God almighty y'all all right everyone well we're today we're we're here to talk about another episode of star trek discovery and uh this time from season three it's episode nine terra firma and joining in on the the festive um funtacular conversation are uh, lieutenant commander eric my XO and Lieutenant Commander David, our strategic operations officer. Yeah, like we have, we give you titles. It doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it's it's great. But as long as we're family, that's all that matters. Yes. Yes. Uh, Chase, yes. I, you just have to keep reminding me as we're recording this to breathe, deep breaths, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Do we need to do some, like, deep breathing grounding exercise right now? Yes, and just remember my mantra, woosa, <laughs> like, stay calm. Are you, like, coming straight deep out of, breaths. like, the anger management movie or something? I, yes, <laughs> after watching this episode. Oh, my gosh. We can, All right, we can well. do some, some Vulcan mind puzzles, you know, maybe answer answer some questions when it gets to how, how do you feel, you know, then we, I don't understand. <laughs> Oh boy! All right. Well, for anyone that's just joining us for the very first time on this on an Engage episode, um, Engage is our um, like really our weekly uh, discussion on new episodes of Star Trek um, as they are airing, and um, you know we are now you know in our ninth week, I suppose, of Star Trek Discovery season three. And we've had some ups and some downs, some really high highs, some really low lows in this season. And uh, anyways, the general idea behind talking about this has to do with, um, you know, just what just general ideas about like the story, the plot, um, kind of how we thought about it. Uh, maybe stuff that worked, stuff that didn't work as well. And then at the end of the show, um, this particular show, we will be doing uh, a rating of one to ten, one being a dumpster fire, ten being absolutely amazing. And I kind of want to add in like maybe another aspect of our rating system. I'm going to pull that on the guys a little bit later on. And um, um, it shouldn't catch you off guard too much, um, but just something that I'll, I'll throw in later once we get to our, our uh, evaluation or rating portion of the show. So before we actually talk about discovery, in this particular episode, uh, let's do some some breathing for for Eric. Okay, um, how are how are you gents doing? How's your week been since we we last got to hang out together? Well, um, my week has been pretty boring, you know, um, because I'm off. I have I'm in the middle of my five week off from work work stretch here. Nice. So been doing a lot of uh, um, catching up on some. TV that I that I want to watch. I've been rewatching some of the Clone Wars episodes that deal with like Mandalorians and, and Ahsoka, some some big ones there, just mm-hmm. to, to just to recap myself and remind myself of what's going on. So, you know, uh, down week, but you know, I'm enjoying my time off. That sounds like a lot of fun. You know, just perusing streaming services and 
you know, actually having time to watch and digest whatever it is you want to watch and digest. That's that's cool. How about you, David? Uh, it, it's been very busy. Uh, we've been doing end of year reviews all week uh, at work, so I've had to run through about 20 of those with folks, um, which range from, yeah, I totally get it, to how could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? So it's it's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, you know, on the on, on more of the the Star Wars side, because Eric brought up Clone Wars, I've actually been doing a rewatch of Rebels, which is my favorite animated series. And then we got a drop of news from the Disney Investors Day uh, conference, which was. I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> I got texts like, oh, holy God, oh, so cool. And I was like, yeah, sweet. <laughs> I wasn't very excited about it, honestly. Of course, I was also in a very bad mood because I was trying to print something and my printer didn't want to work and I might have kicked it and it may or may not go bye-bye at some point and a new printer is going to arrive at some point. But that's that's totally beside the point. I'm sure that's very interesting to everybody. But anyway, yeah, it was a busy week. So was the, was this um, kicking? Um, did that take place before or after I called you? Um, I think that was Thursday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe before. I think it might have been before. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I uh, I mean, since we're talking about the stuff, because Eric started it for crying out loud, I've actually done a, a quite a bit of reading. Uh, this week and um, I finished up a book that I bought gosh I think I bought that like late spring early summer and I read like maybe two or three chapters of a book called Master and Apprentice and I just I, I put it down for whatever reason and just didn't pick it back up until just recently anyways I powered through that I read that book in like two days um, so I started that like I think on a Sunday night, and I finished it like on a on like Tuesday recently. And um, then, because David is a very bad influence, he's a horrible yeah. influence. Don't ever listen to him on anything. True story. Um, <laughs> I ended up going to like half price books. Um, I think we had talked about that even last week. Um, we were talking, David and I were talking about some stuff um, offline. Anyways, I went there and I was looking for like some Star Trek books and and just other sci-fi books in general. I picked up um, *Heir to the Empire*, which is old, old Star Wars book. And um, anyways, I started that on Tuesday and I just finished it um, on Friday night. And dang, is that a good book? So yeah, I read two Star Wars books in a week, in less than a week actually. So that's solid, solid nice. time. Yeah. So I think I'm going to just take a brief break from reading Star Wars and actually finish Lord of the Rings. Um, that's probably a good idea, especially since my wife is um, done with Two Towers and she's reading, reading Narnia right now. Uh, I think she's giving me some time to finish up Return of the King so that she can actually have the book and read the book. So um, I should probably finish it. So that, that's, that's the plan is, you know, finish up Return of the King um, here in, you know, hopefully a couple days. I only have like 200 pages to go, so it shouldn't take me that long. Probably like two or three nights maybe to, to finish Lord of the Rings. So, yeah. Well, apart from like reading and other fandoms not related to Star Trek, let's 
Let's get into it. Eric, breathe. Okay, good job. Good job. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Oh, God, everything's going wild now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we, we, uh, we joined back up with, um, with the crew and with everything going on. And, uh, and we're off on another wild adventure um, in Star Trek uh, this week. And uh, Terra Firma Part 1, uh, we've been seeing stuff going on with Philippa. And before I get too deep into this, this is not spoiler-free, by the way. Uh, Philippa Giorgio, uh, we know that she is from the Mirror Universe. She was the, the emp- Empress from the Terran Empire, Mirror Universe. And uh, she's been with the crew ever since really the end of Season 1, all of Season 2, and now, so far, all of Season 3. And there's something going wrong with her, maybe at like a molecular level or something, due to what we're finding out in the beginning part of this, jumping not only time, but also like universes, dimensions, so to speak. So, um... I just want to say, like, one thing I did like with, like, how this started out, like, I enjoyed the fact that, that Kovic, Kovic's Cronenberg, that Cronenberg explained stuff to us, but that we got to see the old school TNG jumpsuit. I liked that. Um, I, I, I liked seeing the old school operations uniform um, in this episode. I thought that was a, just a fun nod. And, um, that we got a little bit more information about Philippa. So, gents, thoughts on just this opening scene and maybe things that you're experiencing or just feeling whatever as we as we go into this. So it seems it seems odd that how many episodes this season have started with a scene with Dr. Culver? I think this is like four or five of the, the nine mm-hmm. episodes that have started with him. And it feels like this is all we're getting from him is these opening scenes of some kind of dealing with with the crew in Georgia, and then he like disappears for the rest of the episode, which I think is really sad because I like him as a character, and I, I want more of him rather than just these opening scenes. But there's a lot to unpack from this first scene. Um, Alex Kurtzman, he's going there, and he is saying, hey, let's tie every single thing Star Trek that's ever done together into one nice, not-so-neat little package here. Okay. So, I think that that with that, you know, we in Enterprise, of course, like the, the, the temporal Cold War, like the temporal wars, whatever we, we call them these days, that's kind of where that originated. And we know, like, the Kelvin-verse, like, that's another thing, too. And if I'm not mistaken, like, even the Kelvin timeline was even alluded to in this particular scene. Did you catch that, David? No. I, I didn't. No? I think I was just okay. more more disappointed that, um, that this is more a result of something more tangible and not nefarious because I think we both we all talked about it when we see this you know kind of weedy you know glasses wearing sort of ambiguous dude who could p- 
possibly be something crazy or, you know, oh, is he Section 31? You know, is he is he going to be this cool, like, dark-lit character? No. No, he didn't do any. There was nothing more to the interview, apparently. It was just, okay, well, I'm here to explain to you some stuff, and Culver's going to explain some stuff, but not really. Uh, oh, our, our AI, ship AI is going to figure out a solution for us because it's been around forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was like, oh, we're going to get science. Go to a planet. Oh, great. Sweet. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just I kind of I kind of almost wish that because again like to Eric's point they bring Culver in here I love Culver um, and then it's just like he doesn't really figure anything out for him and he's still not the chief medical officer or is he I feel like I feel here, here just one more quick thing I feel like there's some hinky stuff going on on this ship okay because we're making characters disappear and we're never seeing them again where's Reno at I think she's gone. I think they've all mysteriously forgot about her, and she's caught in like some time thing, like a bubble, and, they, and they're going to have to find her later, and I think that's what happened to the chief medical officer, too. Conspiracy theories. That's season four. People have disappeared. <laughs> People have disappeared. we got to find them. I think that, and I'll, I want to get your thoughts on this here in a second, Eric, but um, with, with Culber, I think I've gone on record and said that I like Culber as well. Like he's one of my my favorite characters, like one of the standout characters I think of the show. Period. And I would love, excuse me, I would love to see him expand into you know maybe like ship's psychiatrist or ship's counselor. Um, at this point, I mean he's he's honestly he's functioning more as a psychiatrist than he is as a doctor. So let's just make him ship's psychiatrist and keep Pollard what she is and just you know give give the dude like a little bit more cred give him a little bit more you know room to to operate in so well i mean if you're on a a ship it makes sense like in in all of the other incarnations of star trek you know we have the chief medical officer and if you're like dr crusher and you're on a ship of a thousand people and you're the chief medical officer if someone comes in and says "Ooh, i sprained my elbow or i sprained my shoulder okay there's somebody else who can take care of that you know Hmm. i'm not the guy who i'm not the person that would take care of that and so it makes sense that if you're on a big ship like this you would have a lot of medical officers and the chief medical officer would be more of an administrator's role Mm-hmm. And so to that extent, it makes sense that we're not dealing with the chief medical officer, Dr. Pollard, all the time. We're, we're dealing with, you know, underlings. And that's why people keep going to Culver. And I think well, that's... Well, that, that is if, if she's not like a major character. You know, they... they... I, well, I still show... have trouble even remembering her name because she's just not there. Well, this show is not about the person in charge it's about the second in command right so what is it about eric what is this show about you know maybe we'll discover the captain of this ship this show is about the first officer so it makes sense that this show does not focus on the chief medical officer but it focuses on her second in command maybe i don't know sure i mean is that is that the whole thing right like we I mean, is that is that the special sauce of of freaking discovery? I mean, like, 
like Lorca, Pike, now Saru, they're the captain, but we focus on Burnham. Pollard, but yet we focus on Culber. Uh, whoever yeah. the engineer is, but we focus on Stamets? Yeah, but but the, but the thing is, is like, I mean, it, it, I'm just going to speak for myself. I feel like we've talked about this before, though. But like with Pike, they highlighted him more for me, and I cared about him. And even Lorca, I cared about. Um, I, I don't... I don't find myself caring about some people this season. And um, there was even sort of an ambiguous line uh, from Georgiou to, um, to Michael, and I, I probably should have wrote it down. But it got me thinking, it's like, my God, are even the show writers tired of Michael? Because it, it, was, it was something like, you know, like you pull everybody in or you use everyone or something, something like that. And I'm sure you can write that away as her kind of going a little bit nutty. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's 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 constantly been surrounding Michael. But I feel like I cared a lot more about the care. Even even Reno, she comes forward eventually in season two, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, that's interesting. And now she's just gone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. No, I yeah, think th- there is one great line that that I think is definitely a meta moment with Michael and Philippa, and it's like right before. I, well, jumping way ahead, but right before Michael walks through the door, uh, Philippa turns to her and says, Michael, know when to shut the hell up. Yeah. Which I definitely think is a meta moment. I think the writers and the producers maybe kind of understand that some people out there don't like Michael and she says and says too much and says things at the wrong time and mm-hmm. the writers are like, yeah, we, we, we get this. Yeah. So let's... Let, let's keep let's keep talking let's keep the the conversation going in terms of like pushing the the plot fo- the plot forward so um philippa is is on the struggle bus like with just doing things like eating food um i mean she's particularly irritable but she's Terran, so maybe it's a pass i don't know she throws her soup on tilly which okay she got and then souped. He done got souped. No soup for you. Uh, for all you Seinfeld fans out there. Uh, which I could never get into Seinfeld for some reason. Same with Friends. Me I couldn't neither. get into Seinfeld or Friends. Like, no. And, not. and people are like yelling at us now on their, in their drive to work or whatever. That's okay. Uh, just, just, just edit in the, the little do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You know, the little Seinfeld theme. <laughs> Fair enough. So, you know. <laughs> I was watching Christmas Vacation and I saw, um, what was it, uh, uh, Julie, Julia Louise Dreyfus or whatever, Margot in Christmas Vacation. Anyways, we're getting off on a tangent. That's okay. Um, spills soup and then she goes and blows off some steam and then tries to murder Michael. Yeah, they're really going hard on the whole um, sort of like Terran, uh, almost like Klingon, uh, I'm no longer useful, kill me type of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's her it's her effective means of like euthanasia, except that she has to go out fighting. Yeah, that, that give w- me the honorable death in battle. That was, the, okay, this was the very thing that I wanted to bring up, y'all. So... What do we know about... This is a legitimate question, okay? But what do we know in terms of, like, the culture of Terrans? Apart from, like, you know, 
warlord type of thing kind of going on. It, it, it just seems like right now there's just so much overlap between what we know of, like, Klingons and the Terrans. Like, did, is are y'all seeing that? Are, are y'all picking up on that? Yeah, the only thing that I really ever understood about the Terrans is that they were xenophobic and they hated all things other. But I never had this... We never... I never... Don't ever remember getting this, like, we need an honorable death in the battlefield, and if we can't fight, then our life might as well be over. I don't remember that at all. And are you guys... Um, are you guys at all sick of, like, Mirror Universe is always being kind of, like, semi-evil? Yeah. I mean, because, yes. like, for, for me, you know, <laughs> in the original, like thoughts of mirror universes it was just basically giving everybody a goatee and then oh yeah they're they're mirror because they have facial hair no i'm just kidding there was evil stuff too but it, it always seems like we we do these mirror universes and they're either like devious or uh plotting or xenophobic or hateful or just plain evil people but mm -hmm. like i mean that's different in um ds9 because yeah there's some of that but there's still like good people can we ever just get like a like a cool mirror universe where they're just like riding around on skateboards and eating cool ranch Doritos and it's like, oh dude, we're totally glad you found our mirror universe, man. This is great. <laughs> well, if you if you like that, then you should watch Sliders, the the, the sci-fi show from the '90s with I, yeah, Jerry Jerry O'Donnell and Jonathan Reese Jonathan Reese Davies, right? Yeah. Who plays Gimli? He's, yeah, he's yeah, one of the main characters nice. in that. And the the basic premise is that they slide from one universe to the other and there are just slight differences from one universe to the next and they're not all nefarious. Now, but do they slide to the left? Or do they slide to the right? Do well, they take it back now, y'all? The whole premise is that their sliding machine is broken and they can never control <laughs> where they're going. Also, like shot, shot real smooth. Or how long that they're going to stay in one particular universe. So basically, exactly like Quantum Leap, except they're not inhabiting other bodies. That's yeah, interesting. But, I but, actually but like Quantum Leap. Leap. But Quantum, Quantum Leap is just within the same universe. He's just jumping True. back in time. I'll have to watch that. It's a good recommendation. I like it. Yeah, it, 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 it. Don't watch the final season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about... Um, uh, about the the Terran Empire, like the Terrans, and how they are just seeming like they've almost adopted like a Klingon culture, and even like harkening back to what we know from uh, what season is that? Help a brother out. Season five of Next Gen with the episode Ethics, when Worf done breaks his back and he doesn't feel useful anymore. So it's like, kill me, kill me, kill well, me, kill me. That that episode always annoys me. I love it, but it, it annoys the crap. Yeah, and then there's also that, that episode in season four of Deep Space Nine, Sons of Moog, where Kern, right, is no longer has any usefulness because of the decisions Worf has made. So Kern comes to Deep Space Nine and says, mm -hmm. Worf, I want you to kill me. This is an old Klingon ritual, and I can restore my honor and go to Stovacor if you kill me. So, yeah, like, I was just, unless I'm just missing something, and I, I've seen a lot of Star Trek, okay? Like, I've seen a lot of Star Trek, but unless I'm missing something, like, that was just kind of a miss for me um, in terms of, like, how they're portraying 
the culture. I mean, yes, we have the xen- the xenophobia, and we really see that on display in um, in Star Trek Enterprise, like in the early days of Section Thirty One. Um, not necessarily ter- not necessarily like the Terrans, but like with Section Thirty One. But I think there's still like that bridge between Section Thirty One and the Terran Empire with like the the xenophobia that is in common with the two of them. Um, so yeah, that that was just that was kind of a miss for me. And then we have like this farewell tour of of Giorgio and Tilly and Saru like having these this heartfelt moment, which I guess is okay. But like, I mean, dude, Eric, like I've known I've known a lot of annoying people in my lifetime. I don't know if I'd give them a heartfelt goodbye. Like I I kind of like the the moment that. Georgiou and Saru have here mm-hmm. because as we've explained through this season I've, I've said what is Georgiou's role in in season three and it seemed like through the first three or four episodes her role was just to antagonize Saru like that's all she did in in those first couple of episodes and it was like really grading on me and I said if this is her only role is to be antagonistic then I'm over it I'm I'm way over it Sure. And so I really like that the moment they have here when she's like, listen, I understand I've, she doesn't say it, but she's like, I understand I've been antagonistic to you. And, and I, you know, when she says goodbye, captain, there's like a real respect there that she has now that she hadn't had in the past. And I like that moment between them. But then the Tilly moment to me, like, makes no sense at all. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, deserved captain. Because Saru definitely deserves that. I'm sorry, the guy just keeps stepping back for me. I I, I can't I can't do it. But, and, well, I, I think I think it's more of the respect there, not not necessarily that she says that Saru is being a good captain, but she's like giving him some respect that she hasn't given him in the past. Yeah, I, I guess. But you know, not to not to be overly bombastic about it, but then it just feels like a participation trophy. I, I want to. L- let's well, talk. That is the it, era it, that we are in. However, in, I, no, in I, our I, world. It, yeah, but it, it it is good. Like, if you're worthy of giving respect to, yes, that was a good nod, and you know his dialogue, you know about learning and everything. It's it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I want to I want to hit a pause on where we go next with um, with Georgiou, uh, like with going down to the planet with uh, Michael, and I just want to go just real briefly since we're talking about Saru to the ready room um, and that meeting that he has with Stamets and Tilly and all them kind of like just jumping back a little bit yeah Eric and and I think I think we all should also just take a moment to go and have the discussion with Admiral Vance as well because I have a few things to say there sure yeah so they're so Stamets and Adira they they find something out about this data that apparently Adira, with her whiz kid knowledge, just forgot to hit a button to make the process go. Okay, that's fine. We got we got something now, and it's a phone call from some Kelpians. We're we're so, stuck. So, so I, I I just want to mention Adira really really fast before we get into the Kelpian thing of it. Sure. Um, because. Do you ever forget that Adira is a Trill? Because I totally forget that from time to time. Because 
it, I thought it was a really great in-universe way to like connect the knowledge to the past to like understand what had happened and learn like where Starfleet and the Federation was mm-hmm. like other than some oh look the sphere data somehow or some weird way that they found it I thought it was a really cool interesting way of using Trill memories but then David even mentioned it at that episode and I brought it up a few times since there what is Adira's role in this show moving forward and I really feel like she doesn't have a role um, her role should be let's use these Trill memories to figure out what's transpired in the in the missing time. Um, are you telling me? Are you honestly telling me that there's nobody else on this ship? Discovery is a science vessel. Like as Saru said, it's capable of doing a hundred different science missions independently of each other. There's nobody on this ship that's a programmer that can write this algorithm the only person who can write an algorithm to decode this message is our 16 year old wonder kid nobody else can do this it just it doesn't make sense to me well, and I really feel like Adira is a is not used correctly well here's the thing I like Adira I like the the betrayal but here, here's the thing I've been thinking about so when we have a trill in a, in a symbiote Normally, we have sort of the dichotomy of, like, using memories, learning from past experiences. Um, oh, yeah, hey, there's this one thing, you know, oh, Curzon did this, uh, I remember, and blah, blah, blah. All we're dealing with with Adira is, okay, where's Grey? Well, I don't, I don't really understand exactly why we would... I mean, that whole projection of a past host that whole thing kind of still I don't really understand because like that's nothing we've ever dealt with and to me when when initially that came up I was like this seems unhealthy like this this seems like maybe a side effect of a human carrying the symbiote and that this shouldn't be happening so now that we have a disappearance of that personality a shade or whatever you want to call it I think, oh, okay, well then, cool. But then you have to deal with, you know, a younger, uh, younger person's feelings about that, and it's 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 like a feeling, it's like a screwy feelings thing. It's like, I get it, but at the same time, I just I want her to be able to like bring up a memory from the admiral, or bring up a memory from like her first host, or like, you know, like the there was a thing with Jedzia. Um, I I almost texted this to you guys, and I totally forgot. What would be, and I and I, I don't have the name of the ceremony, but it was in DS9 where um, Jedzia had the ceremony where she passed her, the personalities of her host to members of the crew. And they had that whole, like, her, their conversations with each of those. I was like, you know what? That would be a sweet Adira episode for her to actually understand individually all of these people that she doesn't apparently understand or get. She only had one meeting with them. So that would be a really cool thing. And that would also, you know, feed Trill lore, all that good stuff. And then maybe through that, we could understand the psychology behind Grey and, and how that whole that whole thing happens. I don't think we're ever going to get that, but I thought that would be kind of cool. And that would give her an episode. And maybe you could use that to define her role because she's smart. She's obviously very smart just give her a Wesley Crusher uniform with like all the colors and then make her an honorary ensign in hair like we've been talking about. Well, 
Well, I think the problem with doing that is that would take away from your your arc, right? You wouldn't have... I mean, we're already taking away from our arc, I think, yeah, with this episode anyway. Um, and we're giving, like, a certain character an episode. But, I mean, I think that would also mean you would need to have 20 episodes or so. Oh, my God. Aghast. I know. But I, I do agree. I think that would be a great episode to, to do the... I mean... We talk about rehashing previous stories, but I still think that would be the best way to like learn more about Adira as a character. And even with 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 Ezri, right? Like Jadzia and Ezri, um, Jadzia, she completed the the training and all the education that she had to to be essentially a viable host, right? Like she was prepared to take on to take on the Dax Symbian. But Ezri, she was just like on a ship. She was nearby, and she was not quite prepared, and so here she was having to kind of. But she's trill, but she's trill. But and so she she had to be rushed over to take on the Dax Symbian. So there's that aspect. But then we had this whole other dynamic going on with Adira, where she's human. We believe she's human, and she's able to take on the 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 tall symbiote. So that would be really cool, kind of like ex- exploring what we're talking about. Like, maybe not take it the same way that we did with Esri in Season 7 of DS9, but that could be a fantastic, you know, one or two episode type of thing. But again, that would require 20 plus episodes probably to really do it justice. But does it? I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I just want to, just a thought, thought uh, activity here, but does it? I, I know shows that tell great stories in in less episodes. I just think that again, you're dri- I, in my opinion, you are driving far too hard to the finish line, and like this episode seems like a hard stop. And if you can write in a hard stop like this, a two episode arc for potentially one character, depending on what happens in the next episode, then why couldn't you have made? the episode last week, a Detmer episode, why couldn't you have made one episode in a Deer episode? I mean, like, I, I feel like in this day and age where we've explored so much with cinema and TV and all this stuff, I feel like it could be done. I'm no writer. I'm no showrunner. I'm no producer or whatever, but I just feel like it could be done. And then you have, <laughs> you have proper, like, character development. It's, it's, it's what I'm screaming for. It's like, I need these characters to mean something to me. So, well, I, Dave, I think, so David I would... The point I was going to make is you have to be 20, 20 episodes because if you're going to do that Adira episode, and I've been looking this up, it's called the Jintara ritual. Um, if you're going to do that Adira episode, then you also have to do that Detmer episode. I feel like you need to do all of them so that way you can understand all of the characters and get character growth from all of them and that's why you would need to, to up the episode up to about 20, 20 episodes David or you would just do a lower decks episode you know, with all the bridge officers like I, I mean not uh, was that what it was in TNG was that uh, when they um, had the, yeah, the lower the decks younger lieutenant, lower decks the lower decks so just do that and have Bryce and Wusakoon and Detmer and they all just have like an adventure episode and then you care about it more. Nielsen, the whole, the whole darn... Yeah. Well, but then you have to have a Michael B story or a Saru B story or 
or some crap like that. What do I know? Would you... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're a Doctor Who fan, David, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've kept up with it recently, but the Jodie... The Jodie... So the Jodie Whittaker era, the 13th Doctor era of Doctor Who, um, the episodes are a lot longer. They're like hour 10, hour 15, which really... Wow like comes out to about an hour and a half hour and 45 with with like commercials and everything same numbers of episodes 10 there's 10 episodes a season what what why are we doing this why are we doing this like why can't we why can't we stretch this out longer i i don't i don't understand the rationale behind aside from attention span that's the only thing i can think about because like i can watch a 20 episode series Oh, are, are you saying you don't would like you, the, the longer episodes? You'd rather have more episodes that are all like 45 minutes? Or or would you want the no, 10 episodes? No, I want 20 episodes? episodes that are all an hour long, Eric. Okay, all right. Because I was going to say, like, you have a, a, a lot of, like, your... A lot of your streaming video services now, you're not beholden to the 45 minutes. You see a lot of these episodes that are, you know... 50, 55, you know, 60, 65 minutes long. But, like, it seems like for us, for Star Trek, for whatever reason, we're trying to stick to that 45-ish minute time frame. Yeah, but they're not giving us more episodes. No, they're not. And, and, and I'll also throw this out here. I don't know if you guys agree, but it's like, I think that, I think that folks are trying to make TV movie quality. And which requires a lot more money. I, I wonder if it just comes down to a money thing. Like we're gonna make ten episodes that are so and so length. We're gonna put our entire budget into lens flares and laser flashes, and then hopefully the story kicks off or something. I I don't I don't know if the, if it's more of a money thing than anything else. Because I, I I mean writers have been writing the same way. I mean we're obviously recycling a storyline here, so it's not like writers can't write. Sorry. Anyway, I didn't mean to go down that path. I really didn't. Well, well, what I was what I was wondering, like even with like what I brought up with the current era of Doctor Who, is do you think that would make a difference? Like if we had, if we still stuck with like the thirteen to fifteen some odd, you know, season of of television of you know web series, basically, would like a runtime of like an hour ten, hour and fifteen make a difference for you with giving more? room to breathe and develop stuff no not not with not with star trek because then at, at that point you just need to make a movie i i, I think star trek can be bottled up into into a storyline what was the uh was it last week's episode or was it the week before that had like 10 different storylines to it that was last week's episode that was last okay. week yeah that could have just easily been piled into several episodes i think when you do that you just make all these arcs longer and then you just get lost for me I, w- I would get I would get lost so no I think the four I, the 30 45 minute can definitely be done but you just you cannot focus on as much but the thing with Doctor Who Doctor Who deals with like almost the M. Night Shyamalan type of swerves and stuff like that it's like oh it's not you know the uh I can't even remember any names of anything. No, it's not the Daleks. It's the, you know, Cybermen. It just looked like them at first type of deal. So 
I think they can get away with longer episodes because um, they go a little bit more psychological in some of the stuff, some of it. Trek is, to me, has always been more scientific. Mm-hmm. Just let science talk, develop your characters, have a strong bridge crew, and make television. Sure. Sure. I don't know. All right, well, let's, let's get back to um, talking about this Kelpian ship. Um, we're still at the very beginning of this episode, and we still have quite a bit more we need to talk about. So um, we're in the ready room. Stamets and Adira have presented their findings uh, that they came up with from this algorithm thing. And um, it's a message from a Kelpian ship about what's going on and that they need help, basically. Yeah, so this is that's a, that's our science part of this episode, right? The algorithm thing, right? That's that's it. That's the one little piece. But is it science but, or is it math, Eric? Well, math is a type of science. Like Says I'm a the mathematician. Math professor. Yeah. 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 You would say that, Eric. But but like I I we didn't we didn't get to this on on the last episode, but we kind of talked afterwards. I was 100% convinced that the ship in this nebula was the discovery and it was going to be like that discovery from that short trek calypso because we've seen some of these short treks like really be important to the overall story of of the that the show and i was very surprised like like happily surprised when it didn't turn out to be the discovery in this nebula it was some kelpian ship that was looking for a dilithium nursery right to try and find more dilithium or try to make it safer or or whatever so like because we know supplies of it have been running out so i thought that was a very a very good choice and it's very hard to surprise me um anymore you know i'm i've watched enough television i've read enough books seen enough movies to to pretty much figure out what's going to happen but this was a pleasant surprise i did like the term dilithium nursery like little baby dilithiums out there we're just trying to find them when they're infants so we can continue to grow them up into big dilithium crystals to use on our ships. Well, well, I, I feel like at some point, you know, we had this this Zahian queen that was Tilly's friend at the, at the end of last season. This is where, like, the short trek kind of played in, into a role um, where she had figured out a way to, like, recrystallize dilithium that had been used and spent and i still feel like that somehow has to play a role here because i mean why would you talk about like dilithium exploding and now a dilithium nursery without you know this this person who helped them at the end of last season who could recrystallize dilithium so i still think that's gonna play a role but it's funny like dilithium nursery yeah (laughs) the the Saru is, is quite taken aback by the fact that there are these Kelpians that are the ones that are stuck. And the vibe that I was getting from him um, as, as he was like listening to the message and then even replaying the message after he dismisses everyone is like, let's just kind of keep this on the down low, so to speak, is essentially what he was saying. Um, I feel like this is a one bad decision that's about to bite him in the butt, personally. Like, I don't, like, just what we've seen in, what, the last two, three-ish episodes, he's been making, like, 
essentially the wrong decision each time, but he's been given like mercy by Admiral Vance. Um, so well, I, until, I, I'm wondering now when Admiral Vance checks him in a meeting, and and that's what I'm wondering is like has this forgiveness, has this mercy towards Saru run out? Especially like with what we're what 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 might be happening with this decision that Saru is making. Well, well, do you think Saru is going to make the wrong decision as it relates to Kelpians? Because we kind of saw in the last season when they went back to Kaminar and um, like uh, Captain Pike, I was drawing a blank there, um, basically said, you know, Saru, you can't go down to the planet because you're you're too close to this, and he like. You know, right after his he went through the Vaharai and he lost his threat gangula, he like like approaches um, the captain in like a very threatening manner, and it was like, whoa, whoa, step back! You're you're getting too emotionally involved here. Do you think something like that is going to happen, where that he's going to make the wrong decision because he's too emotionally involved in the whole idea of it's Kelpians? I do, I do. I I, I could I, I definitely I, see that happening too. I personally don't. I don't. I don't really see that sort of thing happening here. Um, but uh, didn't they also say that this signal is like from like a hundred years ago, though? I mean, are we are we assuming that the ship is like there's still people, like they're trapped in some timey wimey thing, or are they just gonna or, be like a skeleton ship? Or could it be like they could have babies that are still on this ship, right? Like a generational ship. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, no, I mean, but but again, I don't. I don't really think. Uh, I don't really think we're going to see, like, same Saru from the, the previous season necessarily. But I, I'm, I'm just waiting for him to make, like, the right call to, like... And, and I think almost, you almost have to have a Suru episode where you have him, like, talk to a Deanna Troy. Like, figure out why he can't trust people and how he can get beyond that. Um because I'll tell you another little quick hit here was the, the scene with Book in the hallway. He doesn't, I don't think he trusts him, and I don't particularly think he likes him. And I personally like Book, and I think he has, you know, things that he could contribute there, whatever that might be. Because I know he talked about it. Does he join Starfleet? Does he start as an ensign? Is he like a lieutenant? Or is he just like a consultant or ambassador to the couriers or something? But my whole thing is he brushes him off, and it's just like, he doesn't even tell him what to do. He just said, oh, well, you can maybe find your moment. And then he's like, okay, should I just go read a technical manual? Or So it's like, he's he's clearly coming to you and saying that, like, I, I kind of want to maybe have a part in this or, like, do something good. I have information. I have the courier network that I'm a part of. I feel like there's some part he could play it's just like well you know just figure it out you know you'll figure it out when it happens you'll be able to play your part and then but then what i mean it just doesn't but, but, seem like somebody who's like actively looking to you know grow the crew at all but in that moment saru says you know when we got to the future and we met the, the starfleet the federation i was in the same position i just wanted to help out but I had to wait for our moment where, you know, the Federation and Admiral Vance really trusted us before before we were brought completely into the fold. And you don't think that Saru is mirroring that same decision that Admiral Vance had to make? Well, 
I, I, I understand that sentiment and that I get it, but you're not you're not actively building him to anything. Cause like I'm a manager, I manage people all the time. And like part of my thing is getting them to the point where they can move on from their position and taking a new position, like actively trying to guide them to a higher point in their career. Cause it's like, well, if you want to become a manager, if you want to do something independent contributor, let's get you on a path to do that. We're not putting book on a path to do anything aside from telling him that, Hey, maybe at this moment you might find it out and you might find your moment to fit in, but it's like, but it, it, it seems very clear that you're not a part of Starfleet. You're not a part of the crew. Mm-hmm. It, and again, I, I don't want to like overgeneralize, but it's like he gives him zero direction aside from, yeah, we had to wait, but you're in Starfleet. They, they admitted you. You just had to step back and fall into line in the command structure. Book isn't a part of the command structure. He's just a guy with a ship who happens to be on Discovery. So, I don't know. I can see both sides, but I think I'm more... I don't know. I, I see both sides, and I, I think that... And I hope that Book does become a full-time member of of um, Starfleet. Like, whether he's on the Discovery or not, um, I think is fine. I think if... Part of me thinks that if he does join Starfleet and he is posted to Discovery, that it could cause even more issues than we've already seen so far with Michael Burnham um, and going and being more rogue because like you got your buddy not that there's anything wrong with having your buddy on board okay not that there's anything wrong with serving with your friend or you know someone you, you care friends. about no You're friends right. on discovery only family my bad my bad breathe Eric <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he's better now. He's better. He was verklempt, but now he's he's better. <laughs> I'll give you a topic. Discuss. Um, but I I would like to. I mean, I would really like to see book. I mean, if nothing else, just like I like I like David Ajala. I think he's a great actor. He brings a lot to this show, in my opinion. Um, and I think I think if we put him in engineering, I think that'd be fine because like Detmer does a great job of being a helmsman. And let's let's keep her there. Let's keep her there, and like let's actually have an engineering for crying out loud. Let's actually have book be in charge of engineering or, or part of the engineering or, crew or, and work work his way up to being chief engineer. You know, we lost our we lost our um, chief of security. I feel like book book's good in a fight. He knows how to use use a weapon. He could step into that role. That's true. That's true. And yeah. Worf did and Worf did it as. Um, didn't he? Did he start out as Lieutenant JG and then get promoted to Lieutenant in show? Yeah. So in season, Worf got promoted to Lieutenant full grade at the beginning of season three. So he's he's Lieutenant JG in season one, and then Tasha dies and he takes over her job, but he doesn't become a full lieutenant until the beginning of season three. And then it's generations when he becomes Lieutenant Commander. That's correct. So I mean. So, I mean, it, it, even if they wanted to, because, I mean, Discovery, you can do whatever the devil you want to. I mean, just make him make him a, an ensign or a lieutenant JG. I think he's got enough experience to, to warrant that, personally. 
and just call it good. Just make him your 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 chief security and just call it good. So I think he'll walk away. You think so? Yeah. He'll get he'll just get pissed off at Saru and his inaction and he'll just say, Screw you guys, I'm I, out of here. I just think it'll I just think it'll be one of those things it's like I can do more out here or, you know, I've gotta go help my sanctuary or whatever you wanna call one of two planets he frequents. I, I just, I, I think that, you know, there, there's not an, a strong enough pull. It's like, you guys are talking about where to put them, but it's like, really, where do you put them? And because we're not apparently interested in engineering, we're not really interested in um, medical, um, we're not really interested in tactical, we're not super duper interested in security. Uh, we like, nav. well, we, we don't even really talk much about navigation it's just you know okay pilot uh captain science officer sort of first in command um i don't know i mean like i just i i I wish there were a place for him i think if this were any other tv series we would have a place for him Mm -hmm. but i like the character i like the actor i just wish we could i just wish we would do more yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not so sure if, if constraining Book to Starfleet protocol is, like, the best thing for his character, if that would stymie his growth. Yeah. Well, it's, it's either going to do that, or you could do the complete opposite, and it he, like, excels in it, and then you have this annoyance from Michael. It's like, wait a minute, I thought you were, like, my cool rogue boyfriend, and we were going to do cool rogue, go out and... <laughs> missions together and now you're like the perfect Starfleet officer I don't like it <laughs> yeah and that's that's the personal conflict that people already say this is too much of a soap opera <laughs> I mean would you prefer that he be like um, maybe this isn't a good comparison so forgive me but I mean would you prefer he be kind of like a Shran like a Shran was to maybe Archer where like he he's out there doing stuff, pops in every once in a while, and helps the crew out, so to speak. Well, I always I always think um, he would be more of like the Garrick type character. Not that he's anywhere near. Don't okay. don't Garrick fans. I love Garrick. Don't don't. But like, you know, he's he's around and he's kind of shady and he knows a bunch of people. And if you need yeah. like someone to do something shady that's like maybe against the rules you can go to him covertly and he can figure out a way to help you here i need you to measure me for a suit as we talk about the most need to know sort of stuff yeah don't forget the legs man i need to make sure that that's really important my my leg length yeah i mean that that'd be that'd be interesting I don't know, but the thing is, is you'd have to you'd have to let him go on missions at some point, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you'd mm-hmm. have to eventually like, hey, here's your way mission, and not the Michael storyline. Would he be the official Section Thirty One representative in this timeline? <laughs> Does Section Thirty One exist in this timeline? Is that like who this David Cronenberg is? Is he part of Section Thirty One? Like, like, tell me something. Like, explain to me what's going on, please. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this show has Let's any talk interest about the sm- in like fully explaining what's going on. Was there um, was there anything else about um, the ready room with uh, Saru and um, the Kelpians or Saru and Admiral Vance that y'all wanted to touch on? Well, well I, I do I do want to talk about um, the Admiral Vance of it all. Like, 
three episodes ago, Michael Burnham was demoted from her position as first officer. Yet, every single one of these episodes since then, we've had to go to a meeting with Admiral Vance. And who is right there in every single one of those meetings with Admiral Vance? Michael Burnham. Why is she still going to these... I know she's the main character, I get that. But, like... Why is she still going to all of these meetings and all of these briefings with Admiral Vance when she is no longer the first officer? Like, it doesn't make sense to me other than she's the main character and the whole story has to revolve around her. I mean, I guess you could equate it to, like, um, you know, Data. Data was second in command. He was present during a lot of that stuff. And I guess... Yes, but Will Riker was there as well. With the ill... Yeah. But with the ill definition of rank and, like, who would be, like, number two, I guess you would have to assume she's number two, I guess. So, I mean, that's the only way you explain it. But j- just to, just uh, on to Vance uh, real quick, because I, I've, I've, I like the actor. Uh, I, I really enjoy seeing him pop up here. Um, he's been very hard on this crew, and I think at this point he, he – has become a little bit more conciliary and just like trying to okay Saru you know I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm going to try and teach you a mistake while checking you and Michael both during this meeting because clearly you still need it Um, I actually really like the interaction because it's like talks about Michael's hesitation very very clear it's like let me ask you one question okay and then with Saru even like countermanding what he was saying and then you know explaining afterwards this isn't this isn't quite the same admiral i feel like he's got a bit of a soft spot now for this crew he's like you know maybe maybe you're gonna try and fit in but i still need to i still need to push you a little bit along here because you you know let's get you let's get you starfleet ready so i actually like the interaction yeah yeah i listened to another podcast and both the people on that podcast referred to him as admiral fridge because he's been so like cold and standoffish and i think that's kind of a a good description of him and i do i do kind of like this like human moment it's it's pretty much the first like real human moment we've gotten from him he's like listen listen to me i've got some pearls of wisdom here like i know you're a brand new captain and you're struggling i've made a lot of mistakes here and i might be making another mistake now in this very moment but that's the point is i'm gonna teach you something important and listen to me and and I do like that. I do like that nice human moment from him. Yeah. What was the What was the admiral in Enterprise Archer's uh, Archer's friend? Uh, was that Forrest? Ad- admiral Forrest. Admiral Forrest. He's kind of like becoming sort of like Saru's Admiral Forrest in a way, because like F- F- Forrest with Archer, they they were obviously Forrest was an admiral, but he still, you know, he. Oh, it's like I knew your father. I know you, and you know we're we're kind of friends, but we're still, you know, I'm still above you type of deal. Most of the admirals we see are just kind of like, <laughs> you know, they're either trying to, you know, command you, uh, <laughs> not just give you orders, but command you, or, you know, they wind up being annoying or foils or something of that nature. So I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I hope I don't like him just because I like the actor, but if they continue down sort of this path, I feel like it'd be pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I guess there's there's one other thing from this 
meeting that I really wanted to highlight. Um, and that's the way Michael Burnham actually carries herself in this meeting. Because we've seen throughout this entire show where Michael Burnham suggests something and someone says no to her and she is aghast. Like, oh, how, how, what, what, you just said no to me? How dare you say no to me? I can't believe that you would say no to me. And people continue to say no to her. And she continues to, like, not expect people to say no to her all the time. But, like, mm-hmm. in this moment when Saru says, well, we really can't do this because we've got to be on the ready for the Emerald Chain... And, and instead of, I, I expected Michael in that moment to just jump at him and be like, what? What? How dare you? But she's just like very quiet and calm. She's like, sir? And I think, I think she's finally learning something here. And I, I think, I, I hope that this is the start of some actual character growth and some learning from Michael Burnham. And, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And maybe I'm reading too much into that moment. But I really appreciated mm-hmm. that she was just really quiet and was like, sir? Almost the way Data would would say something when when he was disagreed with. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um let's keep it going. I want to talk about the snow planet. Uh, there's there's a couple things about the snow planet that I really want to bring up. I was about um, to say we're an hour in. We haven't really got to that. Yet. We haven't gotten no. to the, the 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 main of it. Right. Um, this with the snow planet, I so there's there's an option uh, that we find out that could save Georgiou from whatever it is that's ripping her apart, so to speak. And um, it's her and Michael that beam down to the planet and it's a snow it's a snow covered planet so it's Canada and uh, <laughs> with it being Canada with it being the snow covered planet um, we're, we're trying to figure out where the heck we need to go where this option is that can you know maybe save her life this cure this whatever to save her life and we end up um, in the middle of nowhere and we turn around and there's a dude in a top hat, or a bowler hat, I'm sorry, uh, next to a door, reading a newspaper. And there's a couple things about this whole thing that I, I liked, okay? And this is what I liked about it. Um, one, to me, as I was watching this, this I thought was a really good, like, um, like bookend, so to speak, or maybe like a good... Uh, flip side to how we first see Michael and Philippa in the pilot where they're on the desert planet and now here we are we see them on the snow planet and like wandering through the middle of nowhere so I I thought that was a cool comparison that they were and how they shot that Um, and then when we get to the dude that's sitting down and he's being kind of a jokester with stuff uh, you know good old uh, Captain Jim Brass from CSI, uh, who's our who's the guest star um, this week? Um, did okay. So I'm wondering this. He said his name was Cal. Okay, we don't know how he spells Cal. Car- Carl. Carl. Dad gummit. Well, that just ruined my entire premise then. Well, um, okay, Can continue though. I'm interested in what you're gonna say. I was gonna say like if his name was Cal, because I I could have swore it was Cal. Um, 
Like, we don't know how it was spelled. Like, it could have been like a C-A-L. It could have been a Q-A-L. Um, I was getting vibes from him in two different ways. One, he's a Q. Two, he's a Guardian of Forever type of evolved entity. Thoughts on that? Did y'all have anything similar about Guardian of Forever or a Q kind of thing going on with him? Well, yeah, it, it definitely is Carl. This is where it helps to watch things with subtitles sometimes. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I totally got the way he was like they were asking him questions and he was speaking in riddles totally gave me a lot of Q vibes, right? Not just from John Delancey that we've seen, but from some of the other I, some of the other Q characters that we've seen. We've seen a couple of them other than John Delancey. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to- totally Q vibes is what I got. I didn't even pick up on the the Guardian of Forever until I started to read some things that people have said about the episode, especially people have gotten screen grabs of the newspaper that he's holding and looked up at the back of it, and there's some things that kind of relate to the the original episode, City on the Edge of Forever, which is kind of where why I'm leaning that it's more Guardian of Forever. But I totally got Q vibes. And see, I hadn't even... Okay read anything about like the newspaper or the or that comparison with guardian forever that just like the door thing and just like the just how they were presenting itself just kind of like oh maybe that's a guardian forever thing anyways david sorry i cut you off no no you're fine it's like look at us rehashing old stuff again fantastic i thought q but you know my my initial thought when i was watching it and i've kind of countermanded myself but my initial thought is What's so interesting about Georgiou that a Q would care? And then I'm like, oh, okay, she's a Terran, you know, who's 900 years out of her timeline. So, oh, yeah, I guess a Q might care about that. Um, I just, I just, I just don't feel it. I just, I just don't feel it. City on the Edge of Forever was awesome. Tapestry was awesome. Why I need those again with characters I cannot define just hmm. it just I, I just don't have a feeling about it. But yeah, I mean Q I feel like would be the answer for me though because Star Trek loves Qs. But I, I guess the only thing that I would think why it's not Q is why do we have to go to this one specific planet to meet this person, right? I mean, if it's Q, we could go anywhere, theoretically, yeah. right? Yeah. But if it's a Guardian of the Edge of Forever, right, there has to be an actual portal somewhere on a planet, and that's why we have to go to this one specific location. Yeah, but you could, I mean, you could do some explain away where it's like, well, the AI of the ship and Q were like having a mingle session in cyberspace and I don't know I mean you could but yeah you're right I mean the Guardian thing it would make a little bit more realistic sense it just depends on if you want to go realistic or if you want to go more like ethereal Mm -hmm. I would would much rather have a Guardian of Forever payoff like maybe in the next episode compared to a Q not that I don't want to see a Q again I think that'd be interesting, but this is, I mean, yes, we're in the 32nd century, but we're also in a pre-TOS kind of thing, and 
maybe it's just me and maybe I'm going to sound like a hypocrite, but I don't think I'd be okay with, with having a Q in a, in a TOS era, like Star Trek show, if that makes any sense. Like I'd rather like Q kind of stick with like a TNG DS9 Voyager era appearance type of thing. Like if we were telling like a Picard, like, like if we go to like a Picard season two, I'd totally be okay with Q showing up, but not, I'm not too crazy. I'm not as okay with it showing up in a TOS era, if that makes sense. So, so j- just real quick, have we ever defined how Q see time? I mean, yes, I know it's like non-linear. So I, I know I that that's... I don't think Q's view time at all. They don't. I think, they, in this, I think they'd probably in the same sense as like the wormhole aliens or the prophets. Like they just exist everywhere. Yeah, so I mean, it would be more down to something that just interests them, I guess, right? I mean, 900 like, year out of time, Terran, uh, I don't know. I, I, the more we talk about it, the more I would like it to be more of, like, not a Q. So. And, and it doesn't have, the, the two choices aren't Q and Guardian of Forever. There are lots of other different aliens that are, are all powerful and, and can do things. Like, and we don't I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, stepping through the door, I don't know if you want to get to that yet, if there's anything more you wanted to mention before we did that. Not really, no. I just, I wanted to touch on, like, just that, that parallel, like, with the, the desert and the snow, Michael, Philippa, and then I definitely want to bring up the Guardian and the Q thing. Like, I think there's a lot of duality that's going on when we get to this part of the episode. And, like, we're crying out loud, like, we're, like, what, 15, 20 minutes into the episode at this point, thereabouts. <laughs> And honestly, like, I like the first 15, 20 minutes way more than the back 20 some odd minutes, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was okay with this episode. And then the moment she stepped through that door, uh, like the biggest, loudest groan you ever heard from me. Like, oh, really, really? Hold on. Hold on. All right, listeners, check this out. So um, I, I watch this show usually like between 5.30 and 6 a.m. on the day that it drops. And so check this out. I send a group text to David and Eric. And I said, um, what did I say? Um, I said, hope you all enjoy today's disco episode. Eric will enjoy it. I'm going to tell on you, David. I'll probably watch it later today. The way it's going, if Eric will like it, I will probably hate it. LOL. <laughs> and then Eric re- responds back, Chase, you must have been joking when you said I would enjoy this episode. I'm so over it already. With a little um, clockwork orange little image thrown in for good measure. And then David, of course, saying, nice, so I'm going to like it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, and I sent you that message. I sent you that message as soon as she stepped through the door. I, like, I didn't even, like, finish watching the episode when I sent I was, like, mid-episode. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I knew I knew as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, crap. And, and here's Here the we thing. go. Here, here's the thing. The episode is called Terra Firma, part one and part two. And we had the episode titles for every episode this season right away like we knew what every episode was going to be called and i saw this terra firma part one and part two way back when this season started and i didn't even consider mirror universe at all but because i like they already did that in season one they made the mirror universe 
play a huge role and an important role in season one. It, I, won't, I would argue that it's the main story of season one, the mirror universe. Like, that's what it's all about. And so I just never considered that they would do it again. Like, we talk about rehashing storylines. You've done this once. Why do it again? And looking back, Terra Firma and everything that's been happening with Georgiou, I should have, we should have known this was coming, but I had no idea. And I was like, so disappointed. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, really? We're doing a two part episode in the Mirror Universe again? And terra firma, and terra firma for all you um, language nerds like I am, it's it means solid ground, dry land, whatever you want to call it. And maybe, and it was just interesting because we get into the the Terran universe, the mirror universe, and they're they're using terra firma, terra, sorry, terra firma, as like this chant, this salute that they give to one another, which doesn't really make sense to me well isn't don't they call earth terra isn't like Mm -hmm. instead of calling it earth like so Mm -hmm. terra firma like earth forever or earth solid like that makes sense i can i can be okay with that so anyways david you got a little little look on your face it's mirror universe man I don't like you mirror universes because they're just they're they're I don't know I, I don't get anything out of them. We just find evil characters doing Nazi salutes to each other. It's like it's great. We get to see the entire crew. We don't leave them behind. They're just the evil versions of themselves. No and, goatees. Uh, although I will say, <laughs> I I I now want to see in our prime universe a Wusakun get into some combat. Faux show. Like, <laughs> she, she jacked him up, man. She get, get into a little knife fight with an alien or something. You know what I out. want to see more than Awusakun get into a knife fight in the mirror universe? Awusakun do something in our universe. Go on an yeah. away mission. Do some cool operations. She's the operations officer. Like, that was Data's role. Like, do something cool operation-y in our universe. I would much rather see that than a Wusakun in the Mirror Universe get into a knife fight. But Eric, that would require us to actually do character development, which we still don't want to do, apparently. <laughs> but like, like, okay, the Mirror Universe is only effective when we actually understand and know our characters in this universe, and when we see them behaving differently, like, that's where the effectiveness of the Mirror Universe comes in. And so, like, I'll give a good example of Quark. And this is kind of one of the things that they do in the Mirror Universe in Deep Space Nine is, like, every episode they have a Ferengi die in one of these Mirror Universe episodes. Like, first of all, it's Quark, then it's Nog, then it's Rom. But, like, we see Quark in our universe be this just greedy, like, the epitome of a Ferengi. And we love him for it because, like, say what you will about the Ferengi is, like, they're the most like humans. They're the species that are most like real humans. And then we go to the Mirror Universe, and there's this first episode where we're in the Mirror Universe in Deep Space Nine, and Quark is, like, trying to save people and, like, rescue them and help them get off the station in some underground railroad thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really interesting to see that 
only because we know about Quark and how he acts in our universe, right? If we're just seeing Quark do that in the Mirror Universe, but we don't know how he behaves in the regular universe, then it's not effective. And I just feel like we don't know enough about all of our normal characters in our Prime Universe to have their Mirror Universe counterparts be some effective storytelling technique. Yeah. And with a Wusakun, though, I mean, I think they even refer to her as Owo in, in the episode. Uh, the entire time, like, apart from her beating the crap out of, um, of Jin, I mean, she looks really sympathetic the entire time to, to, uh, to Philippa, to, to Emperor Georgiou. I feel like every character in this mirror universe is just a step away from stabbing each other in the back. Yeah, that's probably true. But actually, uh, one, one quick thing just popped into my head. See what you see. What, what your opinion is? One. Now, I don't think this is actually going to happen because of the way that this episode went and the way it ended. But I actually think it would have been more interesting to me. So, one. What if? What if this was more of an actual learning experience for Giorgio where she had to do this over and over again and we just had like each character subtly shift because again we're we're going we're going in a form of a timeline that she thinks is like I've experienced this before and she's trying to make changes but it seems like we're only going to get one shot at this at least that's the way we look at it but Again, I'm, I'm like trying to think about like sciencey brain stuff where it's like, because I'm such a scientist, where like sometimes you have to make mistakes in order to get a little bit further. Um, but in this case, it seems like one timeline. But w- what I was thinking when I was watching is like, what if, what if like okay, so she makes a wrong step and like Tilly stabs her in the back, and then uh, okay, she she does a little bit of a different thing, and uh, Stamets goes and does her thing. But she, she's she's only learning from the one experience, and I feel like. I almost feel like she's going to get get something wrong. You know what I mean? Or she's going about it the wrong way. Like she's almost fighting when she should be giving in. Because it seems like the whole premise is to save Taryn Michael, right? Or like turn her to her way of thinking type of deal. Yeah, have Perhaps. we ever have we ever and this is where I I should be the person that that answers this question but have we ever seen a star trek episode where we've done that where we've had we've we've gone back in time and we've made a mistake or something and then we've jumped originally back to that same thing i know like in in tng there was the uh what's that timeless eric yeah yeah time but i mean we make one mistake and then like we're still in the future and then we just have to like send a new set of coordinates well, I mean, there was there was the the whole deal where they they were trapped in that time loop, and they were they crashing into the ship? Were they crashing yeah. into the ship? Co- but the, uh, cause and effect. Yeah, cause and effect. Cause and effect. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, so there yeah, I guess they're they're trying to yeah. learn, right? Because data is like subconsciously putting threes out mm-hmm. there, and mm-hmm. that I guess that would be probably maybe the closest thing. But I'm thinking of an episode. If anybody watches um, uh, Stargate, there's an episode in Stargate Universe. Yeah. Where like, where like the ship ha- is like ha- puts the the colonel colonel, well, I'm now 
forgetting his name. But the colonel in charge of the ship, it puts him through like a war game simulation. And and he doesn't know it. He thinks they're constantly under attack. But it's all a simulation. And like, and he go continues to go back. And okay, I'm going to make this decision now. And it works. But then something else happens in the future. And then he it like resets. And he has to go back to the beginning. And and try and figure out a way to get out of it. Same with and Window of Opportunity. At the end of the, yeah, well, yeah, we, that's that's not the episode I was talking about. But, yeah, like, yeah Window of Opportunity is a fun episode. But I'm talking <laughs> about, like, this more serious episode in Stargate Universe. They, they, they did that a, a couple of times, that sort of backtracking thing. There was a thing with the, the game... Uh, where the, uh, you're trapped in the in the game yeah. in the loop Barclay, of the game. Barclay's and, there. Yeah, and then there was also the the episode where um, uh, I think they were caught in another feedback loop there. Where like, gosh, I can't remember. I need to go back and rewatch Stargate. Are you talking about Thanks, the one guys. where like Teal'c is in the simulation and the base well, is under attack? That was that was one, but there were there was there was another one where I just remember that they were uh, golfing through the Stargate. That's window, window of opportunity. opportunity. Is that the same thing? Yeah. God, yeah. I season Stargate. Dang. four. I think. I'm forgetting. Well, it's coming to Netflix now. Stargate. What? Oh, Hold yeah, on. News that just guy heard. Red alert. Red alert. Wait. Stargate SG One's coming to Netflix. Yep. In the United States of America. That's what I just read yesterday. Of North America. Holy cow. Well, the thing it it, it was on there at one point because I remember watching it. Well, I watched it. it last summer on Amazon Prime. Yeah. <sighs> Oh man. The um the other there's another episode and we were just we were talking about Doctor Who like not too long ago, like in this episode, but there's an episode from season ten, episode nine, it's from the Peter Capaldi era, um, twelfth Doctor. And um it's the, the episode Heaven Sent, where the doctor is like kind of beamed into this thing and he is being chased by like basically death. And he come. He always ends up at this like diamond wall that he ends up punching for a. And like he dies every single time, and he's like rematerialized, and he's reliving the same moment over and over and over again. For what we end up finding out is, for seven billion years, he re- is reliving this moment, punching this wall. So how, that maybe that's along the same lines of like kind of what we're talking about like with this reliving things and making the same choice or a different choice giving in not giving in with what Philippa's going through uh, now that she's back in the the mirror universe uh, back with the Terran Empire well, well I, I want to ask this question and, and maybe like right now is the time to ask it maybe I should bring it up later but is she actually back in the mirror universe in her own time like and I think I think that's one of like the big failures of this episode is Alex Kurtzman is a graduate of the JJ Abrams School of Writing, right? And the JJ the main tenet of the JJ Abrams School of Writing is mysteries. Like create all these mysteries and all these put out these questions and make people ask questions. But that's a big failure of writing is you actually have to tell your audience what's happening. You can't just create all these mysteries and not let us know and maybe they'll answer this question in part two and maybe that's you know why like talking about part one of a, of a two-part episode is is not always easy to do but who is this Carl person is he a Q is he a guardian of the forever is he something else like is Georgiou actually back in when she stepped through that door did she actually go back in time and across universes 
or is she in some kind of simulation? Like, what are the stakes here? I think I think the stakes matter because if she's actually back in her own mirror universe and reliving her life, then I think there are some real high stakes to this because she's essentially maybe going to save herself and create two new alternate timelines, right? Two new universes. And, or is she in some kind, like, you know, when Kirk went, when Picard, when Picard went back in time in Tapestry, he was really back in time. Like, Q actually sent him back in time, and what by was? changing the future, I think he was. I mean, see, that that's the thing, though. I mean, it, it, that's what I was going to ask. It's like, was Picard really back in time, or was it just like an elaborate Q power thing? I, I so. think he was actually back in time, yeah. and then he created this alternate timeline in the future, which he I'd was like, like to think so. uh huh. But then the Guardian of Forever, when they went back in time in the city of the, they actually went back in time, and so yeah. what they were doing there had big, massive stakes to like the whole future. But like, is Philippa back in time, or is she in some kind of simulation? Because we've seen you know higher power aliens put lower lower species through some tests and trials like so what are the stakes here and i think we need to know this in order to be able to appreciate the situation that georgiou is in and i think that's a big failure of this episode you know so a couple thoughts about about this so i think that we'll probably get maybe if not stock footage i think we'll probably get one more appearance of jason isaacs as Lorca in part two i'm kind of thinking that right now um, the other part is to piggyback on like this whole tapestry stakes kind of thing that we've seen before and you know how we're experiencing um, Georgie right now. I am wondering if that we're going to have like a weird um, another parallel universe kind of like like string theory kind of thing kind of happen, right where, instead of like the things that played out in season one part b of discovery with the mirror universe i'm wondering if that if the discovery that we knew in that season is going to end up jumping universes but it's going to be in the one that current discovery is in right now but it's going to get stuck and that's how calypso will tie back in to the main story so weird thoughts I had about that. That is so con- just listening to you say that was confusing. I can't imagine how that would play out on screen, especially with yeah. four episodes left to tell this story. Like that we would need just 20, be maybe need really, really confusing. <laughs> I, I've never been much of a fan of time episodes, like the idea of like cause and effect in time, mainly because we don't have any any real as common people have any real viable metric to sort of quantify that. Mm -hmm. I don't study theories like that. I mean, I'm not probably not even that smart to really understand it, but you know, to put that on a wide, I don't even know how many people really watch discovery, but like, cause it's not on TV, is it? It's just on the app. Yeah. Just on all access in so America, Netflix, internationally. Show, but like, how many people would honestly even like get that, or how many questions there would be? And is this writing staff smart enough to even answer those questions? I, I don't know. Do you think part of what Philippa is meant to experience, like, if if this is like like a vision quest, let's just call it that, 
if this is like a vision quest for for Philippa, do you think part of what she has to experience is to let herself die in order for her to be healed? Like let herself be assassinated basically in order for her to be healed? That is so tropey that I don't want that to be the case. Yeah, k- kill the last part of your old self in order to become your new phoenix self and rise from the ashes. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there, gang. Whether it's you like tro- it or not. Very tropey. Yep. Okay. I mean, it, it, again, it is what is the end game of this, mm-hmm. really? I mean, what if it's if it's real world? Does she just? Is this how we get rid of her from the show? She just yeah. goes and does her thing in her own universe or is it literally just a like okay but we're getting rid of are we getting rid of her because i keep coming back to this section 31 show that like we know is happening at some point like are we getting rid of her she's going back to her her own timeline and she's never coming back to this discovery that we're on You could also do do a whole thing where Michael has to let her go. Hmm. And then it turns out to be a cue, and the cue zaps her back to where she needs to be. Stop. I can't take any more of that. <laughs> I don't know how much more of, of this we want to talk about, because like it just seemed like... I mean, there's stuff that happens, but, I mean, honestly, how much... Soleil. I did like that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not even going to hide that. I did like that. It was interesting, yeah. Yeah, I I think there's a really cool shot. You know, she's wearing her crown with a little hole in the middle of it, and she walks up there, and she turns around, and you've got the spore hub, like, in the center of her crown, which I thought, just compositionally, was a really cool shot. I mean, it doesn't add anything to the episode. It's just really a nice shot to look at, compositionally. Yeah. Rip rip stamens. Mm Mm-hmm. Pour one out. <laughs> there, I mean, I really, I really don't know what else there is to talk I mean, about. There's like, it's it's tough to talk about all of this here when we when we don't know where it's going and how it's ending. Like, mm-hmm. we know that this is is part one of a two part episode, and so it's just really hard to talk about. Yeah. Can, can I? I'll just ask one one little thing here, more from an acting standpoint. What do you think about? Um, about uh, Sinique was kind of crazy Terran acting. Honestly? Honestly? So that's that's a, a term that we that I, I that we uh, we used all the time in drama. Schmacting. I hated it. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a huge So how do you fan. define schmacting? Soap opera acting, like overacting basically. Well, I mean, like, isn't it, that isn't that what the mirror universe is? Yeah, is but a bunch still, of people just overacting. I mean, maybe, but like it was just so over the top. It just it really took me out of it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Even even watching even watching season one, even watching any Mirror Universe episode, I can still stay in it. I mean, even 1960s Star Trek Mirror Universe episode, right? I can still stay in it. But like, there's something about Sonequa in this episode. I'm like, nah, bro, not for me. It makes her seem insane, but the thing is, I, I will say though, that with Tilly, her like her like weird little psycho smile, it's like, yeah, you're a psychopath, aren't you? Yeah. 
but like like there's that scene when yeah, at the at the final confrontation when like they trap Burnham and she, and George, Emperor Georgie's like I know it was you and she's like she's like confess and I'll spare your life and she's like laughing and like mocking back that line I was like that is bad acting right there when she that was like fake mocked laugh back that line I'm like ooh like let's do another take <laughs> that was like straight up mush mustache twirling evil yeah, right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was me <laughs> I was like that's the take how many takes did you do of that scene but that's the one you put in the final episode well the, the thing is is like I'm no I'm no actor I, I just I appreciate uh, the craft though she has like really amazing facial features that she can display at times like she does that get out face really really well you know like the the, the main shot from get out because she's done that a few times and it's like so she she can clearly like work her face to make it look you know you know kind of crazier different different scenarios and so forth but yeah it was it just it felt like a room full of psychos just getting ready to kill each other it, it was it was kind of odd but it did mm-hmm. felt over uh, did feel a little overacted to me but i'm not an actor so maybe i should just shut up it's okay Let's uh, let's transition away from this episode right now, and you know, go into like the the evaluative um, aspect of, of this episode. Because, um, I, I, like I said, like I don't really know what else there is to talk about. There's a lot that happens, and there's just a lot of questions. And hopefully, we can talk more about it or explore more about it in part two. I think that's fair. Um, so, I had alluded to something at the beginning of this episode of something that I want to add in, kind of new to how we assess these shows. And, of course, we're going to do the 1 one to 10 thing in here in just a moment. But what I want to do is I want to add in the Delta. So this is what the Delta is. We have, we're just going to call it the three divisions in, in Starfleet. Command, Science, Operations. Or Command, Science, Mechanical. Whatever you, however you want to tee that up. So this is our Delta Evaluation. So do we have do we have command do we have leadership that shines through in this? Do we have science that sh- shines through in this? And do we have technical mechanical operation stuff that shines through it all? So um Are you sure I know, you want us to talk about that in this show? It's yeah, I do. So we I want to add in the delta evaluation um kind of moving forward and we don't have to make it a long, drawn-out thing because I think we made a case about the show, you know, so far in our discussion. But maybe kind of like some things that maybe we can point to in this episode that would say yes or no. So I say there's not very good leadership going on in this episode. Okay. There's very little science happening in this episode. And uh, there's a little bit of technical stuff, but not much. I think this pretty much is a no to all three of those things from this one particular episode. But we might. But what you're saying is that we might have um, maybe the the operations um, delta maybe kind of making an appearance. Maybe. Okay, from your perspective, David, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I I think 
I, I think there is a little little bit of command here, and that's mainly just coming from Vance and shared experiences trying to help Saru grow a bit. And so I, I kind of see a little bit of that, I guess. But I have such a low opinion of Saru that I just kind of kills off any other uh, asides for that. I mean, sci I, I keep begging, begging for science mumbo-jumbo. I don't even have to understand it. Just make a case. Um, but even with, like, Colburn, it, it just, it all goes back to, eh, trust the AI. It found a planet. It's cool. We don't, we don't really need to do anything. <laughs> We're just going to, like, do the medical machine building a person from the inside out. That's, yeah, that, there's there's medical stuff. Um, so, I, I mean, I wouldn't rate that particularly high. And as, as far as, like, just operational, I mean, what, or, or, you know, engineering, anything like that. I mean, we have an algorithm. That's cool. I mean, there is a computer terminal uh, that you forgot to hit a button with. So I guess they are doing something like that, but we're not... We didn't even really go through the sequence of the black alert to the jump to the planet. We didn't even really. I think. I think um, Michael did say that we're going to black alert at some point, but we kind of just we, we didn't even really go through that whole sequence. Um, I, I mean, I guess I, I will say I have noticed more uh, folks just like working, doing the old uh, original series, working on panels in the hallways. So mm -hmm. I guess there's a little bit of that, you know, you could, you could, <laughs> you could plop in a, a, a time episode and just hit all oh, there's Cisco and Dax working in a future ship. You know, they, some stone took them there anyway. Uh, you know, but no, nah, I, mean, I mean, that's another thing. We're just kind of begging to f figure out who's the chief engineer. Like, mm -hmm. when are we going to get an engineering problem? When's there going to be something like that? So Sure. So I was hearing, I was hearing like maybe one definite uh, command delta, but like the rest. A little rest, bit of a little bit of a yeah, maybe. But but like the the science and the operations is pretty suspect, so maybe we can't yeah. put that one on. Yeah, like this this one's pretty scattered for me too. Um, with I, I think that the the Admiral Vance thing is probably like the standout moment in terms of like the mentorship, the leadership um, that we would hope to see in a Star Trek show I would hope to see I think mentorship is a great ingredient when it comes to leadership development you, you need to have you know mentors in your life personally um, the science though it's it's kind of lacking and I kind of want to say that it's there but I kind of don't just because it felt like it was phoned in with the the temporal wars um, agent and Kovic and Culber. Um, I mean, we're, we're kind of sciencing away with it and even like with the Kelpians, kind of. Uh, but for me, like, I'm just not really seeing much in the way of operation. So, I mean, I would probably give this maybe two deltas. I'd probably award it the command and the, and the science. But I don't know if I could justify giving it an operations for me personally. So, I know that's kind of new, so we'll get, hopefully we'll get used to that and um, kind of maybe use that as like a way of like, you know, watching more Star Trek. You know, are we seeing the command, the science, and the operations coming through in the episodes? So I know it caught you off guard. Th off guard. Thanks for being a good sport on that one. Um, let's actually rate the dang episode. Okay, so once again, we are at the point where we're going to um, assess the show. 
uh, between one and ten, one being a dumpster fire, ten being absolutely amazing. So um, we'll go in the same order that we just did with the Delta. Eric, how would you rate this episode? Oh boy, as Scott Bakula would say, "Quantum leap." Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> breathe, Eric. Breathe. <laughs> okay, so we were set up season three. What is the burn? What is the burn? What caused the burn? And throughout, like, the first half of the episode, the season, that's all Michael Burnham cared about. She was just, like, on this messianic quest, almost, to learn what the burn was. And I have to go rescue Book to get this black box so we can figure out where where the burn started. And we have to go to Navarre, and I have to invoke this this weird Talonicet thing to to get their SB19 data. And then we got all that. And now, in the next two episodes, Michael Burnham hasn't talked about the burn at all. Like, it's very strange. Okay, she's like on a mission and no one can stop her. I'm gonna get all the information I can. I'm gonna find out about the burn. And as soon as we get all that information, I'm gonna go off on two side missions with, with these people in my life. And it really just, it's it's bizarre to me like like why did we get all, why as soon as we learned where the burn started why did we not jump to that nebula right away like and i don't even think we're going to go there next episode like so that there'll be we'll have three episodes where we've now learned the location of the burn and we're not going to even go there and it's just it's so odd to me because that's what we were told and that's what the first six or seven episodes led us to believe that this season was about and ah, it's just and like if you watch the ready room michelle paradise who is the the showrunner for this says that well this episode is about georgiou and um georgiou has changed but the only way to see and notice all the changes in georgiou is to go back to the beginning and go back to where she's originally from which I really disagree with. Like, I think we can definitely see a lot of the changes that Georgiou has taken along the road. And then she, Michelle Paradise also says that, well, it's great to see all these characters that we know and love acting in such a different manner. And I'm like, do we really know and love all of these characters from our show? I feel like the Mirror Universe is always supposed to be a diversion. Like okay an interesting diversion every now and then but in two seasons now out of three it seems like we're making the mirror universe be this big important thing and if the mirror universe has nothing to do with the burn then what is the point of this right if what's the payout that we're looking for here is it just to give Georgiou a way to get off this show? Is it just to give her, like, a great send-off? Or does this have something to do with the main storyline about the burn? Because if it doesn't, what is the point? Mm. And it seems like we had this problem last season as well, where we had we learned almost no information, no information, no information, and then the last three or four episodes, we got this, like, information dump on us about the Red Angel and Control. And it feels like the writers didn't learn anything because I feel like that's exactly what's happening here is we're going to have like three episodes left and we're going to get this information dump on us at the end. And it's just 
like David, you even said it in there, this feels like a hard stop. It feels like a hard stop, and it is, it's not good. Like, and, and I don't like this episode. Chase, you said two weeks ago, like, with Unification 3, you never want to watch this episode again, ever. And that's the way I feel about this episode. Normally, I watch each of these episodes twice to, like, to do the recap. But I couldn't watch this a second time. Like, after that first time, I was like, I, I can't watch this episode. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna watch the next week's episode just because, like, I I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the end of this story, but I mm-hmm. am like really not interested. And <sighs> this episode, I never give anything a one. Like, I'm more nuanced than that. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna give it like a three and a half. Woo. Like, this episode is not. Good. And, okay. and it's just not that I don't like the mirror universe. It's just I don't understand the point. And there's so many, like, wrong things happening with this episode in this place in the season as well. This late in the season when we should be getting to, like, some answers about the burn. So you said that was a three or a three and a half? I'm sorry. Three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. David? So I, I really enjoy uh, talking with you guys about these episodes. <laughs> And I think that that's probably, unfortunately, been the best part about season three is coming in here and talking with you guys about the episodes and breaking them down and making parallels to older iterations of Trek and talking about Scott Bakula, who potentially has one of the greatest last names of all time. But my, my issue is, is that I don't care about anyone. And that's a that's a really weird thing because like I can latch on to a supporting character, um, I can latch on to some random one-off person, and really have a good time with with things. But like when it comes down to it, it's like who do I really care about? Like who honestly do I have any sort of real feeling for? I like Colburn, I like Stamets, but I find myself you know it's like. Okay, but then what? I like I, I could like Detmer. I actually think I could really like Detmer if we would just give her a chance to be a person. Um, I mean Wusakun, it's like she's got a cool name, but who is she? This is the first time she's done anything more than give Detmer a pat on the back or do something on a console. Um, you know Tilly, I have my opinions on her. I just I don't we're, we're not I just don't see anything. Uh, with her, I mean, you're you're an ensign given a, a first officer's, you know, thrust into that position, and we don't go through any of her struggles. We don't go because you have to. You're gonna struggle when you're leaping that far up the chain. We don't see that, so there's no growth in her character. It's just, yep, she gets souped. Um, I enjoyed Michael in season two. I actually enjoyed season two because there was stuff going on. Um, it seems like we're in this one, we're just creeping towards something. And I feel like I'm going to be so underwhelmed by the conclusion of this season that it's going to make me question why we're continuing this series. Um, aside from having good conversation with the two of you, uh, what entertainment am I getting out of it? Because that's the point of television is entertainment. 
That that's that's the reason why we all huddled huddled around radios back in the day and lost our minds and world the worlds and thought the world was ending. But it was just a good t- uh, radio program. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I just I, I need character development. Uh, I don't care if Lorca's back. He's essentially dead. Maybe even though we can pull people out of the mycelial network. But whatever, it's fine. Um, but there's just, there's so much lack of definition that it, it just, it continues to baffle me. Um, but just as far as more the episode, I like Georgiou, but I think we should have let her go. I think we should have let her go at the end of season two. I honestly think we should have let her go in season one when she died. No offense, but she died. Georgiou died. And sometimes you just have to let characters go and just let them live in their own moment. Now we're trying to extend it out, and it feels like an elongated goodbye. Again. And why? I I don't really understand the why behind that. And I hate mirror universes. I'm going to go hard on that. I do not like them. I I don't really get the, the, the fascination with you know, mustachioed alternate universes. I just don't get it. Um, but I, I, I just, I, w- I wish I loved it. I, I wish I, I wish I enjoyed it more. Like Eric said, I couldn't watch it again. And I think, I think one thing I might have to keep in mind is will my rating change at all based upon the second episode? Will it better or will it make it worse? Um, and I just, I can't call that yet. So I, I don't want to be like overly critical about the score yet. But the, the, I'd go with the first thing that pops in my mind. The, the first rating that pops in my mind, I don't overthink it. I just say, and this is the first thought it, directly after I watched the episode is 4.2. That's the number that came into my head. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not great. And we, we, I think, Chase, you had said this the first 15 minutes of this episode. It's like, oh, okay, this could be something. And then all of a sudden, it just it went downhill for me really, really quickly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull on Eric on something. I'm pretty sure this was an, was an Ericism, where you, at one point in, in another episode that we've talked about, you had said, unless it was David, I'm sorry, one of you had said this, that... If it had just been this, I would have given it this rating. Okay? But it wasn't. It wasn't just that. So, for me, had the episode just ended at the doorframe, for me, I would have given this episode a 7. Okay? But it didn't. It didn't end at the doorframe. So, therefore, it's not a 7 for me. Um... I've I've said this before that I enjoyed the back half of of season one. I know Eric's not too crazy about Mirror Universe, and quite frankly, it's getting overdone um, too much. Like too much of the focus is on Mirror Universe, Terran Empire type stuff. And if you want, y'all, if y'all want to to look at Mirror Universe and you enjoy that stuff, I would highly encourage you check out the Star Trek: The Next Generation um, comic books that focus specifically on the Terran Empire and you get like a big beefcake of of a Picard and a Riker and a scantily clad Deanna Troy. I mean go for it. Enjoy that stuff, right? It, it's it's a fun ride. Go ch- go check it out. Go go support your local comic book store. 
Don't don't do the whole comicsology thing. Like get get an actual comic book and enjoy that thing. And Eric, I'll take you to a comic book store whenever you're in town. We'll we'll find one for you. It'll be great. Um, I liked some of the things that happened in the Mirror Universe, like the Cirque du Soleil performance. Really liked that. I enjoyed that. But again, I think we're we're all like latching on to the thing that David said early on, and that is this took like we, we pulled the e-brake on this thing like this was a hard stop with with where we're going and it's almost as if the the writers are lost in what they're doing like they, they don't know where they want to go so it's like well, let's let's do this let's do something we know and that's mirror universe but we've again we, we know about Adira and the role that she plays now as this neo trill Okay, if we can just call her like a neo trill, because I mean, like the trill, like the biological trills are gone for all we know. They're extinct for all we know, or very few of them. They're endangered. They're an endangered species, and uh, so so we've kind of just like left her alone. Um, we don't really know much about the uh, the rest of the crew, and this the the, the overacting, the schmacting that I was talking about was just too much for me. Just too much. So. Again, if we stopped at the door frame on the snow planet, it would have been a seven for me. But now that we've watched part one of Terra Firma, I'm camping out at what am I camping out at? I'm gonna I'm camping out at like a five seven. So I mean it's it's not it's not the unification part three for me. That one just irritated the crap out of me. I think I gave that one a four and a half for crying out loud. My lowest one ever. Um, this one, it's, it's, I mean, I know people are gonna like it. That's cool. I mean, like even, I'm, I'm gonna, here, I'm channeling my inner Eric. You ready for this? You ready for this, y'all? So, Terra Firma part one, IMDB 6.7 out of almost 600 uh, user ratings. And of that, 15.5% of those that rated this episode gave it a 10. Uh, we got 10.4 that gave it a 9, 18.4 that gave it an 8. Let's go down to our neck of the woods. So there was 6.2 that gave it a 5, 12.2 that gave it a 6, 4.9 that gave it a 4. It's really all over the place. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably just people, some people enjoy the meteor universe and some people don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, even, well, this is kind of interesting too, depending on how you look at it. I mean, like you and I, I mean, all three of us, we grew up on the next gen era of Star Trek. And like, that's, I mean, I know it's not just next gen, like obviously like DS9 and Voyager as well, including Enterprise. So, I mean, knowing that, that we're in like that, that 30 some odd year old category, most people are giving this episode a six and a half versus the younger crowd that's giving it a seven plus. So I'm wondering if that has something to do with it also. Like we're used to one version of Trek and they It's also prefer- interesting if you look at the breakdown, uh, males, and I know that like the vote count is, is different, but like males give it a six and a half, but females give it a 7.4. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that has anything to do with like our two this episode our two primary characters you know Burnham and George who are both women like 
Yeah, but our, our, our issue isn't with the characters. No, no, that's not my with issue the, at the, all. That's not my issue at all. With the development, you know, with the develop. I mean, that's just to dissuade anybody from going down that pathway. It's just give us development, man. We just want right. to care about all these people. I just want to talk about the burn, for crying out loud. Like, can we get back yeah. to the burn? And as I said, I wa- it, we, we, we were on this quest to figure out wh- what caused the burn and where it started. But now I feel like we're going to have three episodes where we were, like, basically, like, don't even, like, we know where it is. Let's go there. Yeah. All right, gents. Well, here we are. We're at the end. We've done our ratings. We've gone through the Delta. We've talked about, um, you know, the the show and, and stuff with our highs and our lows. And uh, with that, it's time to say so long and call it a day. So thanks for for joining in on the discussion and um, you know showing up each week and having this conversation uh, with the good, the bad, the indifferent uh, viewpoints that we have all along the way. It's, I think I think it's a really rich conversation that we have, and you know the fact that we can you know uh, appreciate, respect each other's viewpoints, whether they're like our like our own or different from our own. That's that's cool. So um, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, Terra Firma Part 2 and we'll see if we what kind of resolution we get um, or if it continues on into the episode following that. So I uh, hope you guys join us. I hope you, you know, uh, if not enjoyed, I hope you're able to maybe appreciate, respect um, these viewpoints that we have. And, you know, we would love to know, you know, do you see it differently did you give it a higher rating i mean do you see that maybe the delta breakdown different than we did um in terms of like the leadership the science and the technical um we would love to hear from you so uh, make sure you check us out on trtvpod.com uh ways to to get in contact with us to support the show um, by following us on all the socials we're on facebook instagram and twitter you can also support the show financially keep the uh the dilithium nursery uh, well fed and and cleaned up and stuff like that so we can keep going because we like to go fast we want we want to go fast right i mean we're like pack led sometimes uh anyway so make sure you check us out there trtvpod.com you can also um like i said you can check us out on all all the socials but if you also just want to send us an email uh, you can do that by entering in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. And finally, if you want to write us something, like, in fact, if you print a newspaper and you want us to have a newspaper and you build a door and you want us to sit by the door reading the newspaper, just let us know where that is. Just write us a, a letter so we know how to get there to uh, the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 760 nine eight guys and gals they them all y'all listening thanks for joining us and as always me remember to boldly go and